Weird Norfolk to me is kind of a cabinet of curiosities of all the folklore and ghost stories and, and strange interesting places to visit in Norfolk. Weird Norfolk to me is like an encyclopedia of oddity. Ghosts, UFOs, hauntings, amazing stones, folklore, magical stories. My name's Shifra Connor, I'm the curator and researcher for Weird Norfolk. And I'm Stacia Briggs and I write Weird Norfolk. We're Norfolk. Today we're going to be discussing the story of the haunted cottage at Shelfhanger. Um, before we start, I always want to say Shelfhanger, but it's not, it's Shelfhanger. 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 <laughs> I keep spelling it Shelfhanger. Shelfhanger sounds like something you'd buy at yeah, the World Shop. That. It's Shelfhanger. Like a plate hanger. Um, so now we've got that out of the way, we can begin. At the tail end of the 1800s, a series of strange goings-on haunted Bumbler's Farm in Shelfhanger. Doors opened and closed of their own accord. A towel roller in the kitchen spun violently as if powered by an unseen hand. Ornaments in the parlour crashed to the ground and the ghostly figure of a woman was seen. Mm. Yeah, really creepy, actually. Um, in 1957, Thomas Clifton Porcher told the Eastern Daily Press um, about his memories of uh, what he described. Um, he remembered with vivid clearness the frightening activity in the farmhouse where he was born. This really is like quite a frightening story. Um, and this... this um... I was just going to say before you've been sitting around the table. Sorry, I just touched, touched your foot, didn't I? <laughs> Secret, so you've now made it public. Um, I was going to say on this note, whilst we're talking about this farmhouse, which is now gone. Yeah. But I was going to say that we don't ever do stories where it would be unless people give us permission. Yeah. We don't ever mention where something is, unless it's a stately home or it's something. Yeah. That if there was, we have got stories, lots, haven't we, mm, where really we where we know there's poltergeist activity at houses, but people still live there, and you don't know if they're aware. You don't know if there's suggestion that would frighten them. And obviously, if children. they want to sell the house, that yeah. could make have an impact on that. So we do really try to either get permission, which we have got a really good one, which we will do for a podcast. We have, yeah. yeah. It's it's difficult um, because, you know, you are, I think some people just go ahead and some of these stories are out there, mm. but, you know, we're always aware that these are, that there are people behind these stories and yeah. you don't want to upset them. Yeah, so this one is gone. It's got in, um, in the story and in the press, in the original article, it says that it was in ruins and that family members refuse and villagers refuse to go near it. Mm. Um I looked, in fact, I got quite distracted looking for the location. I went through all maps and everything, and I, I just cannot find Bumbler's Farm. Probably good news. Marked on any maps, like going back to the 1800s, which is when this happens. So I don't know. It's a bit strange, unless they changed the name of it for the original story. I don't know. Um, I did share this video. I make, I make little videos for Instagram, and I did share it, and someone said that he was working on the cottage, 
but I don't think he can. I think it must be a different cottage because, as far as I, as far as I can see, this cottage does not exist. Which is probably for the best. It sounds like. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? If you hear noise, by the way, we are recording at the assembly house today in the Hobart room, and we're next to a corridor. So if you hear kind of rumbling. rumbling it's the trolley's It's not my tummy. It's not us, although quite fancy us gone. Yeah, I'm quite hungry, actually. So this was owned by a lady at the time. So this story goes back to the time when it was owned by a lady called Dinah Freeman, mm-hmm. which we think would have been, well, if it's a 77-year-old telling the story. And it was his great-grandfather. Yeah, work that one out. Yeah. Maths. Um, so there was a dispute over land. Yeah, the story goes... There was a following a dispute over land, she cut her throat and then, with a heavy candlestick in her hand, she made her way out of the farmhouse and went into the pond and presumably drowned. We can presume then that she had lost the dispute over the land and was going to have to leave anyway. Yeah. So, was that his grandfather? His the land the farm was bought by his great grandfather, so had the dispute. I've got a bad feeling that the dispute was with him, mm. yes. And so the, the chap who, who spoke to us, um, obviously it was his great-grandfather, by the sound of it, who, mm. who had the row with Mrs Freeman. It sounds like she was going to be forced out, mm. so instead she made her own her own fate mm. and ended up in the pond. She was obviously, by the sound of it, fished out yeah. and given a burial. However... The candlestick stayed in the pond, and a rumor began that if you removed the pot, the candlestick, there would be problems ahead. Um, the day came eventually when the pond was cleaned out, as I guess ponds need doing. Yep. My mum and dad did their pond quite recently. Like, actually, it's really nice now. There was, was there no a... candlestick. Oh, right. But you know, as far as I know, yeah. I will ask them actually. Yeah. Um, the mo- when Mr. Porcher, who told the story, he was about six at the time, so it's something he remembers. The pond was cleaned out, and with all of the mud and gunk, yeah, came the candlestick. Mm. Um, that night was as though the devil was in mm. the farmhouse. These are his words. Um, things actually got so bad that Mr. Porcher hired a man to turn over the t- the three tons of mud to try and find the candlestick again and to get it back in the pond. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose it is. It is the uh, the old, the shelf hanger alternative to a needle in a haystack. Yeah, it's a candlestick in yeah. three tons of mud. Um, and even when they put it back in, the strange occurrences continued um, to varying degrees um, until the family left the house sixty four years ago. They put up with it a long time. They didn't did. They? Yeah, um, it had been. What year would that? So if it's 1957 and they left 64, 64 years, years ago. ago. Actually, so it wasn't a long time, so they no. did not put up with it that long. No, so that would have been the very late 1800s, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and it had been ever si- it had been empty ever since then, and that was in 1957. Um, Mr. Porcher's brother saw an apparition of a woman in the house, um, but no one at the time of this report, had seen anything out of the ordinary at that spot in recent times. It has to be said that the, although it says that, although it says Mr. Porter described frightening events, and I'm sure they are in an empty house, you know, it's slamming doors, objects in the parlour being hurled to the floor, a ghost being seen. 
I can only imagine that this that they were not kind of going into great detail because that wouldn't be enough for you to leave the house. This sounds like really bad poltergeist activity. Yeah, because describing it as if the devil is in the house makes you think like cups are being smashed, mirrors are falling down. Yeah, so properly vengeful. And and it is. it also makes sense that this continues until the family leaves. Yeah. So she has a row with the family in life yeah. and she continues it in death doesn't she she comes back to make sure yeah. it's them that has to leave the land yeah. at the end yeah. and and that it's interesting that it was triggered by the um the candlestick and this kind of takes me back uh, to a previous episode of day marmine's carpet yes i accidentally picked these two in a row i don't know i must have been having a thing about haunted objects um but that kind of thing of there wasn't any haunting until the object is removed is quite interesting and what makes these objects so important to these people like with Dame Armin it was the carpet with this with, with um, Mrs Freeman it was this candlestick like what was it about this candlestick Do you know I kind she... of almost wonder ridiculously if it was already lit if she did this at night and she actually came out with it because there was no light I will just add a twist to the story <laughs> in that I found um a reference to Mrs. Freeman living in the property in the early 1800s. Um, and there is a recorded incident with the pond at the cottage. I'll just read what it says. So it was in the monthly magazine or British Register of 1814, volume two, page 484. <laughs> um, at Hanger, the wife of Mr. C.B. Freeman, she had been for some time confined to her bed with a fever and... In one of those paroxysms, which sometimes imparts to the sufferer an unusual portion of strength, she escaped from her room and precipitated herself into a deep pit. A neighbour found means, at the hazard of his life, to extricate her from the watery grave. But the sudden transition from heat to cold terminated her life in a few hours. Mm. One of the things I really like about this story is it's a really good example how, and we often say it, these stories have a grain of truth. And over time, that grain of truth gets a little bit squiffy. So this is like an, a doc, the documented incident with the pond. It doesn't mention a candlestick. Or throat slitting. Or throat slitting. Or returning or to a venture crime. Returning to, or a dispute with the family. You know, she was ill. She was obviously, she wasn't well. She was suffering from, I mean, I've had hallucinations when I've been ill before. So, yeah. you know, she was probably having some kind of hallucination. Yeah. Or feeling super hot with a yeah. fever and just wanted to cool down. To be fair, she may have had a candlestick with her because if it, it doesn't say what time of day this was or anything. So, she, you know, if it was nighttime, she probably did have a candlestick. And so, but it's really interesting how that kind of, over the years, that story has... Yeah, kind of changed and changed. I don't know what happened to her husband. I couldn't really find any reference to him. I think one of my favourite things about this whole story is that at the end of it, we throw in a massive zinger and then just walk away from it, which is so we've got the whole story and then it's uh, we say that the village, it wasn't just Dinah who was haunting, but also at Wash Lane, oh, yeah, church in the Ford. Yeah. A mother and her 10-year-old child were travelling in the car at some point in the 1990s 
when they were confronted by something terrifying as they drove through the village, an apparition of a burning man ran in front of their car. But oh, that's all that we have on that. That's all we have. But it's like, oh, God, uh, can you imagine? That's horrific. Shanghai is quite a scary place, it apparently. Is, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe you it's know. like a, a portal of some description. That and Durham. Yeah, that and Durham. Mm. Um, I just, I really like this story, mainly because of, like I said, that kind of thing of the story changing over time and getting a little bit kind of skewed. I love the fact that we've spoken to a witness. I love the fact that we have a picture of him. Yeah. Um, well, it makes you think, doesn't it? So if it wasn't, if this was not a case of Dinah in a fury, although very taking a big a big act to cut your throat, isn't yeah. it? Uh, you know, just leave. Yeah. But if this isn't her, then what is it in that? in that farm what mm. is causing all that activity you know what was it just happening? a coincidence that it happens at the same time that they did yeah and you wonder if that story if she was ill they found a candlestick apparently in this mm. mud so that it was in there is there another story actually you know was it uh, you know the old one of a, a maid or a servant stealing mm. it hiding it in the pond and yeah. falling in and drown you know it just seems Firstly, that there is a truthful element, as you say, mm-hmm. to this story, so that, that there is a A lady who died in the pond. Yeah, of who, the who does die. Yeah. And you can see, as you say, that even if she was hallucinating, still likely she might take the candlestick with yeah. her outside yeah. um, and then fall and it be lost. Yeah. Um, it's the part, the vengeful part, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's, the, it's like why removing... Unless it is literally just she went before her time. Yeah. And it isn't and, revenge. And, it isn't revenge. It isn't anger. It's anger at being. She was thirty-four, thirty-six, thirty-six when she died. Um, very young. Yeah, although at 14, uh, 18, 14, not quite as young as no, it would be now. No. We'd be way gone by now, wouldn't we? <laughs> I, I would be. <laughs> I'd have given up a long time. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I think it's. I think those classic hauntings. It's. It, it, it's difficult to beat them, isn't it? Really. Mm. They're, they're always so evocative and it makes you, it even makes me want to go out there and see if we can find yeah, this. Yeah, I'd love see to See if there is a it. pond out there, yeah. see if there is a remain or, or a sign yeah. of what was there. I think we just, it just it would take a bit of time to figure it out. I think um, this kind of, this one prompted me a little bit on to looking at other cases of, I, was, I started looking at haunted objects and then it, it's more interesting the objects that kind of aren't haunted until they are moved. Yeah. So I found we obviously have Dame Armin. Yeah. Um, the Merton Stone and the Stockton Stone, although not yeah. technically haunted. It's the moving. It's the moving element. Yeah. And the Goat's Head of Strumpshaw. Yeah. Again, it wasn't really haunted until someone interfered with it. Mm. So there are a few cases in Norfolk of this. And I don't know, I just can't get. It's, it's, it's just the strange concept of a haunted object. Yeah. And I know we discussed this in our previous I episodes. I am looking for various things on eBay and so therefore had a quick look at what we could buy that was haunted to make this easier so that we've got something. You um, wouldn't do that anymore. No, I wouldn't. I'm not get, no, I wouldn't even get it for you because I don't have to have it in the house. Um, my favourite thing I've found is a plate. Okay. So I found a haunted plate. Um, which it is, is it's a picture of a train on the plate. 
Um, it's apparently haunted by somebody who liked trains. <laughs> it's so straight. Like, it's, I really so feel it's, like people are just jumping on the bandwagon for haunted objects. But there are absolutely loads. Yeah. I mean, absolutely loads. So, and, and you've got ordinary things, and they're said to be either enchanted for luck or fortune, good or ill, um, oh. vibrational energy, um, and they get, they get quite specific. So there was kind of a coin, and it says, you know, this is for money luck only. Don't expect any other luck. You know, so like right. really specific. Yeah, as if you're gonna. And some of the comments on some of the the, the sellers who sell <laughs> haunted objects say, "Well, I bought this doll, and you said it was haunted, and that you know that, that if I had this, then it would say off other things that are in the house that hasn't happened." You know, so. <laughs> It's also like with haunted objects, I feel sometimes they actually are really relating directly to their location as well. So with the candlestick, it's only really haunted because it's tied to that house yeah. and that situation. So removing it from that situation... Takes its energy take, away or whatever. Yeah, well, so the, the candlestick, it, removing it from the pond triggers the haunting in the house. But taking that candlestick to another house probably won't... But they... They put it back in the pond, didn't yeah, they? And, the and it still happens, doesn't it? It's so, like, a bit like Dame Armin, you know, you've done it once, that was enough. Yeah. It's, there's no, yeah, there's the no second chances yeah. with ghosts, is there? So you could probably do whatever you wanted with that candlestick. Probably, yeah, you could probably put it And that won't piece. affect no. that. So if that candlestick was in this They've room, already... this doesn't mean that this, it's going to be haunted no. by Mrs. Freeman. No. It just means she's got the rage and she's, she's going to stay in Shelfanger yeah. because that's her, her place, yeah. isn't it? I mean... I suppose with haunted objects, you, you necessarily think of things like Robert the Dolls, don't you? Mm. And is it the Divic box? Yeah, That's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? I don't like that. No, I don't because like that's that. like a demon. Yeah, locked in a place. It's kind of a perspex or glass box. No, no, it's like a little... Like, it's a, a, it's a wooden case. case and it's now in a perspex yeah. box, Hasn't Zach Fagan's got it? I think so. I wouldn't want it. No. I don't think I'd go in his place, actually. I've been thinking about it. At first, I was quite excited. But no, I would, but no, I don't think. No, I just don't collect loads of this stuff. Have you seen that painting? The the hands resist him. Oh, oh that horrible. sounds horrible. It's really revolting. It's a it's a it's a cursed painting. A bit like I mean, there are loads of cursed paintings. Yeah, because there's the fine boy. Boy. Yeah, and there's also that chair, that steep chair, isn't it? That's hung upside down now in North Yorkshire. Thomas Busby of Thirsk. Um. He had a row with somebody who he found sitting in his favourite chair, and he was thrown out of the house. And they, they this this row led to a son and a son-in-law, one dying and and hiding the other one in the woods. And um, Busby had killed his father-in-law. He was tried, hanged, and tarred, which I've just been writing about actually. Which that is was really awful. Do you yeah. remember the one about Erpingham Gate? Yeah. That was awful. They last for ages, but what in They hung, hung, drawn, and quartered. Yeah, and then tarred so that they last a bit longer. Um, so this chap was, was hung and tarred, and his last words were, may sudden death come to anyone who dares sit in my chair. And then he's in the first museum, and because terrible fates have before many people sit in it, brain tumours, car crashes, reminds me of the... Both things, Strumshaw Goat, both of those mm. things happened, didn't it? Yeah. 
um, the decision was made to hang it from the ceiling. So, so no one so, can so see. No could one they can not see. have just destroyed it? Yeah, get rid of the chair. Yeah, if no, it's that bad, just like... Yeah. I know. What would your first thought be? Oh, well, let's hang it from the ceiling. So we can tell a good story about Just it. get rid. Yeah. So uh, this this business of objects becoming, I suppose we should say that it's not the object, it's the intention, isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's just putting an intention upon an object. Yeah, so that's a good point, actually. So Dame Armin, she might really like the carpet. It's more the going and get, you know, yeah. I'm going to give you one thing that you can't. You can't sell, yeah. and this candlestick would have, you know, if if she is Mrs. Freeman is going through like a traumatic time by having contact, and if she's in bed for a long time, the candlestick would likely have been next to her bed for that time, yeah. and so it's picked up on that kind of yeah vibe, I guess is another word for it, isn't it? And it was like the, the last physical thing she, she held had, yeah. before she died, and I so guess. it could have absorbed that kind of mm. intention of fear and frustration probably as well i i had i think i've maybe spoken about him in podcasts before but I've, I've got a friend called bruce hood um who an internet friend and he did a whole section or a whole series of lectures about the feelings people had about certain objects so he would take in i want to say it was a it was a, a sweater that he said had been had been owned by a serial killer, yeah. and um, to see if people would put it on. And he also used to get people to bring in photographs, copies of photographs of their of the people they love most, mm-hmm. and tell them to set fire to them and see if they could. Mm-hmm. And he's he's like, you know, it's it's not that object; it's not even the original. Mm-hmm. It's but you can't do it because it's your loved ones, and you don't want to set them on fire. But actually, it is just a piece of paper. I think if it was a copy, I could. You'd love it. He said, "Everyone on fire. They'd be up in flames." <laughs> but, but because it's just a copy, if it was the original and I couldn't get another copy of it, I would probably feel a bit. But I, actually, I, just a copy. I do also remember. I'm fairly sure this is true that um, when Myra Hindley died, I want to say in hospital, or I don't think she died in prison. But anyway, wherever she died, the staff refused to wash her sheets. They burnt them. Yeah, instead. that's a bit different, though, isn't it? Is it though? Yeah. Is it though? Because once well, they've they're gone not through, gonna, I think that kind of psychological thing of who's going to want to use those because she was evil. But if, yeah, she was evil. But I don't think the the sheets were kind of like. But then, if, but then if, they if we look at this thing with the candlestick, maybe they would pick up on bad vibes. But if we want to so go like, cursed bed sheets, I, cursed bed sheets. But I want you know. But think about it. If you lived anywhere near to where Myra Hindley had been looked after then your water supply would be at some point tainted by... So they did that. They had to knock the West's house down, didn't they? Yeah, and this is why I could never live in a an old hospital or... Mm. So I'm as bad. Could you live um, in a murder house? No, I don't think so. I don't mind living in a house, and I do live in a house at the moment where someone died, um, because there aren't many houses that are old where somebody hasn't died, really, have they? And if they die in a kind of... I think if I knew someone had been had spent their last moments brutally being slain would I be able to get that out of my mind probably not I don't think so I don't think I would choose to but yeah it's interesting isn't it how people have these thoughts about completely inanimate objects yeah how you would be frightened of a doll frightened of a box frightened of sheets frightened of a jumper so he used to try and get people to put on a jumper that he said was had been owned by kind of a rapist, a mm. murderer, somebody who did awful, dreadful things, 
and most people would not even yeah. touch it. I, I could see that. And it was just a jumper. It yeah. wasn't a murder. It wasn't a Yeah, it's just that story that's attached Spoiler. to it, isn't it? Yeah, so it was just a jumper he'd probably got from Primark. Yeah. But because people thought it was imbued with evil, you know, it, it obviously means that people are hardwired to not... And this has obviously happened for centuries, that kind of yeah. feeling of things pick up the yeah. energy of the people that own them. yeah. And so that makes it bad. Yeah. It's really interesting. It is really interesting. And, and, and when you do get a, a serum, it's why I it's why I would also, although I know it's really important to go, I would really struggle to go somewhere like Auschwitz. I know it's important. I get that. But Yeah, I think, because, I don't know if I could go there. Because, you know, it, it. I understand why they've kept it. I can't understand why people want to live in workhouses. Mm. I can't understand it. I know they're beautiful. But I don't want to be. Uh, they even visiting them, and I love them, and I love Gresson Hall. I love it. Well, they, they do. Like I've been to Gresson Hall, and it is really lovely. But you you are aware that you're in a place, not all of Gresson Hall, because some of it's like a working farm, and the cottage at the is really lovely. But you do feel aware that you were you're in a place where people suffered. Yeah, and workhouses were there to protect people, and they did a great job in a lot of ways. But there was a lot of cruelty until. Yeah until those measures came in and the yeah. idea for me of living there is a no yeah. because I know it and again that's ridiculous it's bricks and mortar yeah. that you know it's the same as like asylums and things yeah. like that isn't it and like why they get such like Ooh, yeah it was an asylum yeah and it's because of that energy that people have but I guess that goes back to also people being afraid of the dark those things that you're afraid of in the dark are exactly the same as they're there in the light you just can't see them can you it's kind of all suggestion isn't it so that's basically solved everything we ever do. Yeah. Just all suggestion is fun, but it isn't obviously because otherwise we wouldn't be here trying to solve. I feel like we've had quite a profound conversation with this one. We have gone off topic. We've had bit, quite a lot of mint tea, haven't we? I feel yeah. that it's uh, grounded us today. But that is like some really interesting thoughts about yeah. objects. Yeah. So let us know if you think objects pick up on yeah. what has happened to the people who own them in the place that things happen. Yeah. Or if you own any objects that you feel, whether it's a good, it, you know, it, this works with positive vibes yeah. as well. So, you know, do you have an object that you feel has some kind of energy? Weird Norfolk is brought to you by Arch and Podcasts. For all advertising and sponsorship inquiries, contact matt.withers.com at archant.co.uk From true crime to football Brexit to folklore For more great podcasts from Archant head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant